Welcome to How Do You Engineer, your well-constructed, fully developed engineering podcast. I'm a host, Peter Merton. I'm a host, Abby Desjardins. And I'm a host, Simon Whitmel. And uh, this week we have, I think, our longest distance guest from Colorado. Yeah, Andrew, you want to introduce yourself? That's right. This is Andrew out in Denver, Colorado. And as far as I know, it is the longest distance guest. I think you had one from, what, Lake Charles, Louisiana or something like that? Somewhere mm-hmm, around yeah. there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I got him beat. Don't worry about it. Nice. All right. <laughs> so, our, uh, our reach is broadening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Andrew comes to us from the awesome internet world of Reddit. Yeah. I, uh, I put out a feeler there and someone actually messaged us back. I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're still at the stage where when somebody gets actually contacts us, it's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's very <Yeah>. exciting. <laughs> Proves oh, people yeah, are actually paying attention. <laughs> um. All right. So uh, Andrew's going to be here to talk to us about uh, civil engineering and land development and all the fun things that that entails. Yeah. Topics which the three of us know a lot about, clearly. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. that might be something else he's got us beat in terms of our depth of knowledge on the topic, because I know pretty much nothing about civil. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Is, I, I don't even think I even knew anyone who was in civil when I was an undergrad. So this is going to be completely new. My undergrad didn't yeah. have civil. So <laughs> this is this is very exciting, actually. Yeah, the shoes on the other the other foot. Now uh, I got I got to sit through nineteen episodes of robotics and electrical engineering, and now, now, <laughs> now I got the expertise. Excellent. Uh, yeah, it's it's the payback for us uh, yeah. pigeonholing ourselves. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, before we get into that, let's uh, let's test our knowledge of civil engineering by uh, let's engineer some landfills. Yeah. Landfill has been on the brain because I got a baby and we're producing a truly unreasonable amount of like diaper waste. And I always like wonder what we do with all of that stuff. It's really impressive. Put it in a pile. <laughs> I was saying, I was thinking yesterday, I'm just like, I'd always thought that the sheer volume of diapers was exaggerated. And yeah, it's not, it's not, no, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> and all of those have to go somewhere. So if you were to, if we were going to design a place where you could take all of these diapers and throw them away forever how would we design it (laughs) well you start with spacex no (laughs) (laughs) a rocket into space that that, that seems kind of cost ineffective i'm not sure that that's uh and and, uh, if Uh, it was something i mean the diapers aren't that bad i can deal with them being on my planet yeah i hope you're not using that uh that rocket to space to segue back into robotics for this episode. <laughs> no, no, no. We're, de- we're going to stay down oh, to earth. Tried. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep so, it grounded. Yeah. Let's, let's go with the, uh, with the traditional. I think the traditional is, as Abby said, you dig a big hole and fill it full of garbage. Mm-hmm. That's what and I like then, to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With a liner so that you don't seep into the water table and all that good stuff, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I've heard I've heard of that like line. What do you mean like a liner? How, what would you make a liner out of, Pete? Like a like you'd have in a pool. Like it's a oh what I make can make it out of. I don't know. Um, like you're, are you thinking like a giant rubber sheet? Like you dig a big hole and then I yeah, know, like spray. like like a big condom. You just fill full of garbage. <laughs> Ground condom. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Fill in a big hole in the ground with a giant condom. Civil engineering. <laughs> We've been recording for four minutes and already we've got two great 80s punk band names. I think Diaper Laced and Crown Condom. (laughs) Pretty great. Excellent. That's fantastic. Um, Okay. But, I mean, you're going to manufacture like a single piece giant rubber condom to stick into the hole or like – Yeah, okay. That's fair. 
Like maybe you get a big tanker full of uh, like latex rubber you could spray on the side of a hole maybe. Like oh, rather no. than trying to manu- manufacture sheets of it or something. Mm-hmm. Could Although, we do something with instead of like a centralized landfill, like a individual type of deal? Like every house has its own little mini landfill underneath its home. Huh. Like you you dig a, a sub-basement that you can... What happens maybe. once your sub-basement is full? Is it just like you have to move out then? I guess we need to manufacture our ground condom to like remove the waste or, or help it break down faster or something. I like where you're that- going, Abby. I think why stop there? I mean, I think every single diaper should have its own condom. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that how the diaper genie works? It's like you drop it in, it puts it in its own little plastic bag, and then it's I don't know. forever. I don't have a baby. Well, get with the program, Abby. Sorry. It, everyone's doing it these days. Literally. So we're, we're assuming that we need a landfill. Like, we're not going to go full, like, incineration or recycling or stuff like that, where this is waste that can't be disposed of any other way, I'm assuming. Well, I mean, like, okay, incineration. What, what's the... There's got to be a reason why we don't incinerate all our waste. Um, I mean, there are um, landfills in Scandinavia, I believe, that have hyper-efficient incineration that they use for power generation where you end up with enough filtering that it's pretty negligible in terms of the environmental impact. But Like, are they scrubbing the... Yeah, heavy scrubbing, yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. then what do you do with like the filtering, the filters that you scrub all of the crud out of your waste from? I don't know, you burn them? You put them in the landfill. <laughs> Do you, do you then burn the filters yeah. and filter that out? It's 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 a it's you put turtles them in a condom. <laughs> it's turtles all the way down. Um, yeah, I mean, incineration is certainly a solution if you can do it cleanly. I mean, especially um, for us up in Canada and for uh, for Andrew down in Colorado, where we have furnaces, it's uh, it's not out of the question to to need a fuel source. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that, that certainly works for a lot of kinds of garbage, but I think you'd have to, the, like, think about incinerators. I think they have to be working at a fairly high temperature. Like, you actually oh, yeah. have to fire them. It's mm-hmm. not just like you light the garbage on fire and then it burns away. You're actually, like, burning something to keep it hot enough to break down the garbage, right? Or you, I think mm-hmm. maybe if, can you compress it? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure how those sorts of systems would work. Like, you, um, you I don't know. Well, I mean, you could probably like put it in a hyper oxygenated environment or something so that like pretty yeah. much anything will burn if you put enough oxygen in the atmosphere around it. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they did with Mythbusters and then like the salami rocket. It was you could make a rocket out of lunch meat if you put enough like liquid oxygen into it. Hmm. Uh, OK. So, I, I mean, you could probably do you could if you wanted to burn. I guess the big thing with burning would be the efficiency, right? You want it to burn so that your byproducts are clean like you got just sort of carbon dioxide water and then everything else should have been ash mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly but it's when it breaks down into other stuff that it's bad okay but i think like okay that's that's certainly a solution but it seems like it's a really high tech solution when digging a big hole or i mean the other option is like trying to figure out something you could do with garbage that would be useful What's the, like, I don't know the term, but like, what's the half-life of garbage? Like, if you have your typical cross-section of landfill, how long does that take to break down to the point where it is no longer considered garbage, it's just dirt? Well, I mean, for pl- some plastics, it's like thousands of years, right? Yeah, because I mean, a lot of landfills, they, they make them big enough that they, and then they just sort of cover them over, seal them up, plant a forest, and it becomes a park. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or like a ski hill. Yeah. There's a there's the ski hills in Toronto that are like an old dump. Oh, okay, I have it. So global warming leads to a rise in sea levels and a lot of places where people like to live flood. And so they build up those places using garbage to make like artificial landmass that they can then live on. 
you're, you're rec- reclaiming land from swamp by uh, by just dumping garbage into the swamp until there's ground. Yep. <laughs> Solving global roaring. Yeah, it's like in Dubai where they made the the weird like palm tree island, except you use landfill. I, mm-hmm. Okay, but then how do you your your first thing was you had to be able to like seal it from the groundwater to keep it from causing problems. Yeah, no, you the, need a condom still <laughs> to like displace the seawater. Okay, yeah. so, you're, so, you're, so then you're living on top of like a giant bag full of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Effectively, yes. I'm just waiting for that bag to like burst. Can you imagine what's going to come out of that when it fails? Oh my yeah, god! Okay. Residents in New Jersey do this for a for a living. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, um, okay, let's. I mean, I liked the idea of like getting rid of the big centralized garbage garbage locations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's lots of uh, times where you need just like material to put inside something like when you're insulating your house, when you're doing a whole lot of different things. Like you, there's a lot of times where you just need material to dump somewhere to fill up space. So, I mean, could you not like ground up the garbage into pellets and then use it for stuff around the house, like mixing it to concrete for aggregate or something like that? Well, I was, I was thinking like the you were talking about burning the garbage. If you did it effectively enough that you could break it down into basically like base carbon. And then you'd end up with carbon you could use for doing cool things like generating graphene or hmm. like you could turn your garbage into like super materials. That's pretty badass. Yeah. Or I mean, if you take your garbage, you're talking about garbage compression. If you compressed it enough, eventually like it would heat up and like the carbon in most of your garbage would fuse together into like an inert block. Mm-hmm. And you can filter the juice and, and use it for like to uh, like beer or something. You can like drink it. Uh, I, actually, I was, no, I was actually reading about, there was, um, uh, that your ground condom thing reminded me there, there are some of these, uh, landfills and they basically, tap, <laughs> oh, I love that term. They tap <laughs> off the, uh, the, the liquid that runs off of the dump and it's like flammable. It's, uh, like biofuel, basically what comes out of it. And, hmm. uh, so you can actually burn that for fuel as well. Oh yeah. No, a lot of the landfills, um, if they're not incinerating stuff, exactly. They'll put a, a kind of a lid on top of the landfill and then they'll siphon off methane and they'll burn it. Mm-hmm. So we're basically, we, you're turning the garbage into like a methane farm. Yeah, exactly. They do it with a cow, a lot of cow farms too. Like yeah, more modern yeah. cow farms, they do the same thing. They take all of the, the cow poo and they make it into methane generation. Like you put it in a giant, really stinky tent. A lake. Yeah. You make a lake of poo. Yeah. Oh, this this is just like more and more appetizing all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I guess mean, we started with diapers, so I mean, there's not a whole lot of directions you can go in. That's true. Um, I don't know. I'm still liking the like compression until it heats up and becomes like diamonds. Cool. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of compression, but I know that is a lot of compression. And you end up with poo diamonds, which I don't know if <laughs> that would be the best, most appealing thing to give to your future fiance or whatever, but. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Could work. Okay. I fine. wonder if some mom would be like super happy to receive diamond earrings made from the poop of her like young children or something. Oh. Like cycling it back. That seems like, like it's ta- yeah, it's taking the sentimentality just a bit too far. I don't know. Some moms are weird. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, fine. It's yeah, it's probably not feasible to compress it to that uh, level at, in the home you could certainly in, like incinerate within your house but then who like the smells you'd get out of that would be pretty bad yeah. and i don't think you could you scrub wouldn't want it to. no all right so i think we're stuck with centralized locations i like the so if we accept that we are going with the traditional you have a hole in the ground filled with a ground condom can we 
are you just like dumping the garbage down and then putting I, they always seem to spend a lot of time putting like layers of dirt on top of the garbage and compacting it yeah yeah so maybe like you could improve that system by doing like a wally type thing where you like compress it into bales before you put it down there and then hmm. you're just sort of like stacking the blocks you don't like need to hexagons or octagons or something that are theoretically more space efficient yeah something that tessellates nicely mm-hmm. yeah. okay and then you like if they're if they're sufficiently compressed then you don't need to have like the bulldozers constantly covering it with dirt to keep it from blowing away yeah that's true ah, that's a good idea and you could, uh, if you wanted, you could uh, you could keep track of where different cubes of garbage came from for like future archaeologists who want to go digging. <laughs> <laughs> I always like. I always think that that'll be something like really cool for thousands of years from now for people to go like digging through uh, landfills because I can only imagine like what they'd make of it. Yeah, I never thought of that. That's pretty neat. I mean, the upside is that uh, getting back to the whole recycling and other forms of of alternative waste uh, diversion. I mean. There isn't that much left, at least here in Ontario, that you can't recycle. Like there's, I'm pretty much, hard, pretty hard pressed not to be able to recycle or compost stuff nowadays. Mm-hmm. I mean, diapers are compostable nowadays. I'm pretty sure as well. I don't know. I think I, they I think are. That might, I think diapers might be one of the few things that are like completely useless after they've been used once. I thought they were. I've, I've been putting them in the green bin because I was oh, told right. that you can compost them. All right. Are, well, are they basically paper? Yeah. Well, I think it's it's the gel that's inside them. That, Do they uh, have an impermeable liner? Yeah. <laughs> Probably <laughs> just little <it's>, butt condoms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. It's just condoms all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> no, if I've learned anything, it's that they're not completely impermeable. I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I've been putting them in the green bin because I was told that they're, they're compostable. But also, I mean, we're going to start using washable ones, the which uh, is another way of doing it. That's true. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. the reduce. Reduce, reuse, recycle. All that fun Ad- stuff. Adults call those just khaki shorts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just with, a, with, with elastic bands around the bottom. Like. <laughs> oh, gorgeous. Right. I'm not sure we came up with a solution, but I enjoyed the conversation in any case. <laughs> I, th- I think what we landed on was the same sort of thing they do right now, but with robots that compress the oh, garbage God. and ice cubes. Because yeah. we've got we to have robots. Always robots. That's that's like should be the new title. Nah, nah, cut it out with the robots. <laughs> people, right. we're going to employ people to compo- to compact the garbage. <laughs> we we do we do we do need to create jobs. That's the big like economic uh, drive, right? We're going to be mm-hmm. job creators. I don't know. Who wants usually a, gar- a garbage compactor. <laughs> you put you put them in like the guys who like stomped on grapes. People walking around in circles, except for they're just walking around on top of garbage. Yeah. Just so, like, no, I'm imagining like giant like moon boot style like big heavy boots you just stomp around all day (laughs) oh my god (laughs) all right um okay this is taking a turn to the absurd again so let's uh (laughs) going back going back to the no longer talking about robots let's talk about something that isn't robots let's talk about civil engineering because this is a thing which is completely uh foreign to me Mm -hmm. all right i'm I'm aware i'm aware of civil engineering as a concept but that's pretty much it. So are we going to start with civil or are we going to start with the beginning of Andrew's career in civil? Well, yeah. How, we're we're uh, going to we'll start s- with Andrew. Yeah. yeah one, in, they're one in the same, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> Andrew was there at the very beginning. Uh, yep. Yeah, I said, this, this is civil. This is civil engineering. <laughs> yeah. So tell us what it's like. What, what's, uh, what's the civil engineering program like? Um, I, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I did a pretty traditional route, just four year degree. Uh, and then got 
started with my career uh, in 2010 or 2011, I guess. Um, and it's just basically, it, it's, it's a very broad engineering as a lot are. Um, but you know, it can range anywhere from, you know, structural is sometimes still considered within civil engineering all the way to like hydraulics and hydrology and, um, things like that, you, you know, utility design, um, the soils, soil mechanics, geotechnical stuff. Um, it, it's just a, it's a pretty broad, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a pretty broad, um, pretty broad spectrum. So, um, so what uh, what drew you to uh, to civil as opposed to the other engineering disciplines? Because I remember looking at civil and thinking that sounds cool, but it didn't like sell it to me. Not yeah, like robots yeah. could. It's um and yeah, and my and my dad is actually electrical, and I'm not a hundred percent sure why I didn't do that. Um, but originally I was actually in ocean engineering, and oh wow, that's a, yeah, I wasn't aware that was a thing. Not yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's not offered a whole lot of places. It's called ocean engineering or marine engineering or sometimes naval architecture. Oh, and, uh, yeah, that, yeah. That so I've heard of. I've heard of right. naval architecture. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty niche. So it's, it's very, cause I guess before it was a specialty, it would just be like mechanical or, you know, some of the, the do it all kind of engineering types. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a couple of engin- uh, universities started offering it and it's, it's still, I, I, I doubt it's offered much more than, 10 major places in, in the United States. And then, uh, the, basically the economy tanked and I wanted a job. So, <laughs> switched. <laughs> um, that was, I guess I probably switched in 08. So yeah, about when everything fell out. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Uh, so, and then, so civil sounded like a more, uh, a more recession resistant, uh, field of engineering. Yeah. To some degree, it is still a very hot, cold, engineering uh, and especially land development and mm. you know oddly enough the housing I, I didn't i didn't go into civil engineering in my studies thinking i'm going to do land development uh but um civil engineering can be pretty hot cold and being in land development the housing market is you know drives it to a large degree but mm. at the end of the day civil engineering is something that just is just needed you know i mean you, the infrastructure needs to be maintained um, people need to live somewhere, you know. Yeah, and, whether you're building new stuff or oh, yeah. taking care of what's already there, or inspecting or anything like that, you know, it's it's pretty pretty employable if you're willing to, um, kind of work outside of your comfort zone or or work outside of your interest zone. Mm. Uh, and fortunately, I, I've really enjoyed land development. So, uh, expand on that. You said like if you're willing to work outside of your comfort zone, in what way? Um, you know, I, I guess getting back to how broad it is, you know, it, it, there, there's jobs out there for people that, that if, if say housing was to, um, recede, if I was willing to go and say, all right, I've been doing land development for three years or four or five years, I guess now. Um, but I could go do, I don't know, you know, bridge inspections or something. I could learn it on the fly. Mm. Um, there's a lot I, of lateral movement. Exactly. There there's a lot of lateral movement yeah. if you're to, to, to forego, um, a little bit of comfort or a little bit of knowledge, I guess. Right. It's interesting. Uh, I remember when I was looking for a job at one point, um, being told that basically the key, as it was understood by the person telling me to finding a job or at least finding a job that you're willing to, to get hired to do is either being hyper specific and knowing exactly what you want to do or not really caring right. what you do. And you can basically pretty much with those two key categories, find something that, uh, you can get a job working hmm. on. Well, yeah, I did. I did both. I, I specialized really, really well, and then didn't do that at all. So 
I met both of those requirements. <laughs> um, so did you like? I, I, so did you actually have a specialization within civil, or was it a fairly gen- like general program? No, I specialized. I did uh, environmental and water resources, mostly just water resources like hydraulics and hydrology. Um, and what oh, are cool. what's what are like just sort of generally what are hydraulics and hydrology? Um, so how I would use it, it, it's how I would use it today is is um, if I'm designing a site like a residential uh, uh, like a plot of land, you know, if we say we're going to put some apartments there or whatever, um, y- you need to analyze the rainfall and how that is going to flow through the site and and. and come up with flow rates at certain critical points and make sure that those critical points, say a storm sewer inlet or say a chase through a sidewalk or a, a ditch um, can, can handle that flow without overtopping or flooding a, a, a building. Mm. Uh, and, and you can expand that into a much larger area. And there's people that are dedicated hyd- hydrology, I guess hydrologists um, that, that would be right. looking at yeah that would be looking at like big watersheds and saying okay if we get this much rain um, over this time period this river you know which would be essentially a di- you know a big ditch um, is going to flood to the or is going to rise to this level are there mm-hmm. are there houses here are there are there is there important will there be property damage basically mm. yeah um, so it's just basically analyzing how runoff and and you know and out, out here and i'm sure up there as well you know snow melt is a big part of that too so mm-hmm. um, just kind of taking all yeah. of that into account and, and trying to minimize property damage mm. i mean that's cool. uh, it's something you don't really think wow. about but like big housing developments you're essentially putting a whole bunch of like impermeable structures on top of what would have been a nice like spongy surface that would soak up rain so it's amazing it doesn't take very much rain over that that kind of space especially like urban areas where you basically got a solid blanket of you got little patches of grass but other than that it's a solid blanket of impermeable like asphalt and buildings Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah you'd be and and you'd be uh i i was surprised certainly when i first started to get into it when we would um take say uh, an open field and turn it into you know i don't know a parking lot or a couple buildings and turning all of that infiltratable soil into impervious coverage is just the 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 runoff numbers are increase drastically and when you look at that over a larger area say a subdivision or say uh, you know on, on a bigger scale a city and you're looking at a river 100 miles downstream that it can really it can really add up and, mm-hmm. and add up quick yeah it's always interesting to me when i i sort of touch upon a whole realm of something I know nothing about, but I can get a, I can sort of just get an inkling of there's a lot here. And the more you talk about this, the more I think about, like I just replaced my driveway last year and just the sheer trying to figure out how to slope things and how they were going to, how the water was going to flow down my driveway into my backyard. And then if that was going to influence the retaining wall and like, there's a lot just right. in my house. And if you start talking about a whole development or a whole like a uh, shopping center or something, it's, it starts to get a little dicey. And, uh, and, and the funny part is that it's all so, I don't want to say shoot from the hip, but, uh, <laughs> you know, nobody has an exact number. If you, you can't, it's not like, it's not like some of the engineering and some sciences where you can just say, okay, I've got 10 acres of this. My runoff number, my, my flow at this point is going to be exactly 9.7843. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. it is like, is, is just like, all right, I think it's going to be less than 10 cubic feet per second here. And I know you guys would use probably a different, uh, metric, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you just try to stay on the conservative side of things and just say, okay. And, and, and always provide a, a point where runoff can get out 
before mm-hmm. going into a building and you know it's it, it, mm-hmm. it is uh, surprisingly uh loose sometimes just make sure you're not making a swimming pool and that's uh... exactly exactly <laughs> you yeah, you don't want to put a building at the bottom of that metaphorical swimming pool yeah. no um all right so you uh you specialized in in hydrology and uh so when you when you came out of uh undergrad how did you end up uh in land development so i basically i came out um, like I said, kind of in the recession and it was not a very hot market. And especially when you didn't have a whole lot to bring to the table in terms of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, I, I, I grasp that you guys are roughly my age, but I don't know if you were going through the same things. Uh, but basically, you know, any company that wanted to hire, you wanted a year or two of experience and, you know, coming out of college, you, you, you just have nothing to offer besides a degree. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I was just applying everywhere, just mm-hmm. firing off, just shotgunning resumes. And, uh, finally some place got back to me and it happened to be a land development place. And I came and, and Simon, I think you were saying where, where if you have something very specific or very broad, uh, it can, it yeah. can, unlock some doors and I came in very mm-hmm. broad <laughs> saying, yeah. you, know, I'll, you know, I'll mop the floor if you, you know, job. uh, and, and they happened to be land developed and then that took off and, and that was, yeah, like that was in Washington DC. And then I got an, my next job, my next and last job, um, out in Denver. And it's just, I like the, 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 the pace of land development. It's pretty fast paced. So, oh, cool. um, hmm. so where, where did you go to school? I went to Virginia tech. Okay. So you, so you moved oh. out, you moved out west for a job. This is, you're not, right. you're not from the west normally. No, no, no. I'm from North Carolina originally. Oh, okay. Cool. So yeah, you just said that, uh, land development is very fast paced and I just never got that impression. It's just kind of surprising to me, but I'm totally on the outside. So what do I know? But that's interesting to me <laughs> that you'd say it's fast paced. Yeah. Well, it can, it can feel fast paced. I mean, from, from project initiation to actual construction, I mean, you're looking at probably a year or two, but, um, so much has to go into that. I mean, coming up with the construction documents and getting them approved by your municipalities or state, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and coming up with something that the client's happy with, coming up with something that all the other consultants are, are, can work with. Um, you know, it's, it's not just us, you know, for example, in civil engineering, we have to work with the architects that are designing the building and their structural engineers, um, the landscape architects that will be doing, you know, if we're doing a new apartment complex, the client is generally looking for something that's going to pop. That's going to, that future tenants are going to come in and say, oh man, I want to live here, you know? Um, and so they're, they're designing their, the treescape, the hardscape, the, uh, kind of the flow of the site almost. Um, and then we almost, we, we kind of just make it work. Uh, hmm. so it's, it, you're working with a lot of different consultants and it's just, you know, almost hour to hour something <laughs> comes up. So, wow. Uh, yeah. It sounds almost like automotive where they're designing something really interesting and really sexy. And then the engineers have to actually make it be a car. That's exactly what it is. I feel like the biggest wet blanket in meetings. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Nah, can't do that. Nope. Sorry. Can't, <laughs> nope, can't make that work. <laughs> what the, that water feature has got to go. <laughs> um, so just, uh, can we get sort of a general, what, what does a uh, land development firm do? Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we will work with, a client who a lot, a lot of times, well, let me start with this. A lot of times when you have a land development firm, it's such a general thing that for instance, my company, we do 
we have a transportation. So we're a pretty small company, um, although we've been growing. But we'll have a land development side, and then we'll have a transportation side um, that'll be doing municipal projects like highways or, or roads, um, public roads. Um, and then we'll have survey. And by the nature of the fact that it's land development, nobody really specializes in it in anything. And every person is kind of comes from a, almost a little bit of a different background. Um, so it kind of makes it fun because you'll have certain projects that you're like, okay, well, this guy is good at this and this guy is good at this. Um, so he needs to help out here or, or, you know, what have you, but by and large on the land development side, um, a client will come and say, we want, we have this 10 acre plot of land and mm-hmm. we want to put, um, you know, a hundred dwelling units here. We want it to generally look like this. We want it to have, you know, obviously water, sanitary sewer, storm sewer, and gas, electric. Uh, can, you know, can we make this site plan work? And this is kind of how we want to do it. And then we'll go and we'll take it and put it in software and, and, and make it workable. And we'll give it back to them and say, is this kind of what you're looking for? And, mm-hmm. you know, they can comment as necessary or, or confirm. And, uh, and then, Maybe we'll bring on, or they may bring on, depending on how contracts are structured, all the other consultants, architects, landscape architects, structural, um, mechanical, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, contractors, and then we'll all start working together and saying, okay, we, we got this drive coming through here. We want trees here. Um, we, we can't have this here because there's a window here, you know, and then we just start working through this site plan and, uh, making sure that it doesn't flood and looks good mm. and, and will they'll be able to sell their, their number of units mm. to future tenants. So that you're getting, you're getting a plot of land to the point where you can get like the, you can start designing the buildings to put on it and that they'll be able to reasonably connect to all the things they need water and all those fun things. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's yeah. just taking, taking raw land and, and making it profitable almost <laughs> yeah because well, we uh like i just i bought a new a new built house uh okay. last year and so it was interesting because yeah by the time the company that i bought the house from rolls in to start building houses the roads and the sewers and all that have been there for a couple of years because they've uh, uh the land developers have been in before and done all the setup and then they sort of parcel out chunks of their development to different housing companies that would build right. the actual houses so hmm. So, yeah, I think it's. It sounds like that's probably that was the the land developers were doing similar things to what you're doing. It does change a little bit, so that sounds like it would be what we call single family detached, or or just, you know, more of a subdivision with with individual homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And recently, that's what I did originally in DC, and then um, recently I've been doing what's called multifamily or multifamily attached, and it's mostly apartments, some townhomes. The designing is a little bit different with the multi, with the apartments. It's a little bit more detailed and with the single family, it's a little bit more general because, you know, you, you like you said, you basically have a plot of land and more or less, you just want to get that land up high. You want to get that house up high enough where you're not worried about it kind of flooding mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you can get the utility hookups and kind of walk away. It, it's yeah, a, it, can, it can be kind of cookie cutter. You don't yeah. have to worry so much about like a specific yeah, design of house that's going on there. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit less detailed. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I got the, I got the impression that they sort of said like once they had a land, you had, you had a plot that was like a thirty foot lot, and it was like you're allowed to cover a certain percentage of it with a house, but beyond that, they didn't it didn't really matter what house you built on top of it. Exactly, and and that's because probably, and it depends municipality to municipality, but um, likely that's part of some master drainage report, and that master drainage report has dictated your area needs to have a maximum imperviousness of say seventy percent, mm-hmm. and if the average home builder builds over, I don't you know what whatever square foot um, footprint, then you're going to be over 70%. And whatever regional detention facility has been de- has been designed to, to handle the impervious flow from that development is going to get blown out. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just wondering, I have a, a question that I wanted to ask, which is like, what is the cutting edge, really interesting um, work that's being done in your field where, where you look at it, you're like, wow, it's actually really cool. <laughs> But what I what, what I want to get a feel for first of all is like how much does this change? Like how how does this particular approach to land management and and this sort of engineering that you're doing change over time? Is it the same as yeah, it was 20 yeah. years ago, or is there is technology changed it recently in the last few years? Or I mean, com- obviously computer software is one big one, but sure, uh, yeah, computer software is is the biggest thing for sure. Um, we, we're using software called Civil 3D, and um, I worked at my prior company we we didn't use what's basically a a three-dimensional software and it was brain damage man it was painful uh it was brutal uh but no simple 3d is great um as far as uh the it's not like other fields where there's every minute there's a white paper coming out on some groundbreaking new you know it's be, because mm-hmm. of how uh, regulated civil engineering tends to be, uh, you know, municipalities are, are, are slow to adopt. So, for example, if we have a new water quality treatment system from some proprietary company, they would have to go through testing and they would have, you know, each municipal. If I were designing for, say, city and county of Denver, um, they tend to look at relook at these things every five, I don't know, five, 10 years. So So the pace is pretty, you're talking about decades pace for getting some new. Yeah. And it can be longer than that. It can be longer than that for, if you, if you start developing out in, in, you know, the middle of nowhere in some random municipality, I've designed stuff to, um, storm criteria that, that came out in 1983, for example. Mm. Oh, I mean, I, I've been sitting there <laughs> tracing graphs to figure out my flow. You know, it, it's it really can depend, but you know, it's kind of half the fun. Hmm. Hmm. So the the you said the software Civil 3D. But what do you do in that in that software? Is it like a, is it a CAD program or? Yeah, it's AutoCAD. It's okay. uh, Autodesk produces it. Oh. And, um, yeah, yeah. So it's it's, it's oh, okay. a little. I use CAD uh, in college a bit and it's it's pretty similar i mean it's it's essentially the same it's just adapted to to civil mm-hmm. um and basically there's two big things that you that civil 3d it holds a tremendous advantage over the prior software packages on and and that's that um so when you get a site you have a, your existing topography that your survey department goes out and gets and it's um it's just called topo and mm-hmm. They'll, they'll give you that and then you have to grade out your site, right? You have to, you have to grade the site. You have to grade in the streets. You have to grade in where the buildings are going to be. You have to mm-hmm. grade in your, any detention ponds or anything like that. And you do that with this software in 3D. And rather than 
um, almost, I mean, at my old company, the, the, the old heads that were used to just drawing contours basically on paper and having a CAD tech trace it, we're still doing that. And now we have software that, that we're building in the roads and then the contours just kind of fill in based on that. Mm. If, if that makes sense. I, I, oh, wow. Yeah. It, it un- unloads labor that you would be doing manually otherwise. Exactly. And it, and it completely, if you use it correctly, it mitigates errors by, a huge factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is that utilities, so say a storm sewer pipe or a sanitary sewer pipe or whatever, um, used to be just kind of hand drawn in. And then you would, um, w- when you're designing these utilities, generally you call out the invert, which is the bottom, the bottom of the pipe on the inside, because that's what's hydraulically most important. Mm-hmm. And so you would just hand call out inverts, but you could blow an invert. You could, you know, you could fat finger it. You could, um, just, not do the math right or whatever. But mm-hmm. now in the software package, these pipes have data connected to them. So you're putting the pipe into the software package and you're saying, okay, I need to start at this elevation and I need to go down at 1.5% in order to convey my storm sewer flow. And that pipe is in that software package. You can see it beneath the surface that you've created, new site grading that you've created. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then you can see, okay, so I've got a storm sewer at elevation 84 and I have a sanitary sewer at elevation 90. Okay. They don't hit each other, you know, <laughs> they, they yeah. clear each other. So, and you, uh, and you know that they're graded yeah. properly. You're not exactly. going to have a number. It's just like, so they will catch the little, the little details that you might not right. notice. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when you're trying to show that, um, you, you, we have what are called plan and profile sheets. So you'll have a plan sheet a plan view. It's like an overview of where your storm sewer is going, just like a map would show. And then a profile is just like a side cut through the earth showing that storm sewer going, you know, from top to bottom yeah, down. And, uh, and now that's all dynamic because it's related to that, the data contained in the pipe. So if you label all those things, label the inverts, label the locations of them, if you move them, it just moves everywhere and you don't have to go through each spot and and change it um one thing i was curious about uh you you have software for like doing all your your designing do they do you use like simulation for figuring out like like water flow and stuff so no but i think that's the direction that it's gonna go Mm. you gonna make Um, it rain yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um i and and maybe the longer answer is yes we do but it's not really used in my in in my scope uh, mm-hmm. It would be used on much bigger projects, and it's uh, a program called uh, HecRaz, uh, hmm. and it, it models like river flow and and stuff like that. And you can, but it, it, it's not like what what you think, where you could just design a site and then say, okay, rain, you know, yeah. X amount, are we good <laughs> or are we not? And, you know, it's like, not, yeah, a big button, yeah. big button for like the hundred year storm and see what happens. Exactly. <laughs> I wish that would make my job a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it just seems sort of like the the next logical step once you've got a nice cat, like a 3D model yeah. of, the, of yeah, the space yeah. and you know where stuff's going, then it's, I mean, it's it's not a uh, insignificant problem to model water like that, but it'd be, no, no, it'd make it, no. it sounds like it'd make it less of sort of a, yeah, it's about this, like this number to convert from your permeability to how big of like a, a flow pond you'd need or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't, I don't, I don't think it's that far off. I mean, I, I think you're looking at, at least the software will get there, you know, probably in some concept level 
pretty shortly. I, I would guess in the next five to ten years. But uh, you know, it's it's not a lightning fast industry. So yeah, the the adoption uh, schedule might take longer than the development schedule. Exa- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Interesting. Um, all right. So we we know sort of what you're doing at the, as a company. What's what's your day to day look like? Yeah. So my day to day is is a little bit. It, it's probably half management, half design at this point. You know, I'll, I'll come in and I have a couple projects going on and I need to make sure that there's no fires and you know, no clients pissed off about God knows <laughs> yeah. what. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you on site or are you mostly in an office? No, I'm mostly in the office. Yeah. Um, but on site to certainly when, when projects of mine go into construction, you know, I'll be out there a fair amount and, mm-hmm. and hopefully less than more because mm-hmm. generally if I'm out there, it's because, <laughs> because something's gone wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whether it's my fault or someone else's fault, you know, it's always uh, when something goes wrong, nobody's calling the architect. They're always calling the engineer. So <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing they teach you in engineering school. Right. <laughs> if something goes wrong. It's always the engineer exactly. that gets blamed. Exactly. The buck yeah. stops with you no matter what. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I do uh, a good bit of design and then hand off, I would say most of the design and um, then try to coordinate and manage and put out fires and that whole that whole thing. So, mm. so from mm. a design point of view, like what are you given at the start of a project to design from? And I, I assume the end point is one of these like the, one of these uh, civil three D models of the whole system, right? So, and and actually, and, and you're right in that we want to get it all modeled up in the civil three D system, but that is like. Ultimately, we still need, and again, this comes back to the slow adoption thing. Again, we still need to spit all that information out into these. We have our, uh, we have engineering plan sheets. They're twenty four by 30, oh, okay, yeah. twenty four inch by thirty six inch. Uh, God knows what that is in centimeters. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we need si- to show sixty every- by ninety centimeters, I guess. Yeah, it's something like that. <laughs> uh, but we need to show basically every aspect of our. We come up with a construction documents package, and it's every aspect of the design of the site is spit out onto these sheets of paper and it seems archaic, but that goes through the review of, of whatever municipality we're applying for a building permit through. And mm-hmm. it goes out to the contractors and they bid on that, that design package. And, um, and then it gets ultimately built off of that. Um, so when we start, we get, uh, our survey department will go out and they'll, and they'll survey the site and they'll survey the immediate surroundings of the site. Uh, and anything else important that, we, you know, we'll generally do a site visit and say, okay, well, we need to go get that even, you know, whatever it is, a detention pond 400 feet away. Just, we just need to get it just because we might have to integrate that into our design. And then we will take that and it'll look, it'll be basically just line work in CAD showing, say, existing streets, um, any signs or transformers or street lights or, you know, any um, mm-hmm. infrastructure. And then it'll have topography just contours. Um, and then we'll start our design. We'll lay out, we'll, we'll, we'll start with a two dimensional layout of the site. That's a roadway going, you you know, we'll say a roadway going through and then, you know, an apartment building here, an apartment building there, clubhouse there. Um, and then we'll map out a little area where we generally have to put a detention pond and then we'll start, you know, generally you start with the two dimensional design and then you'll move to the three dimensional design. So you'll start to grade the site vertically. And then you may run into issues there and you have to revise the two dimensional 
you know, design. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and then ultimately you get to a point where, um, like, you know, you can drop a water anywhere on the site and it doesn't go into a building and then you're, mm-hmm. <laughs> then you're, <laughs> large, so you said, you're on your way. <laughs> so your, your survey guys are giving you the, like the physical position in 3d space of objects and just points on the ground. Does the customer come to you and say, like you said, they come to you and they say, we got this land. This is the, what we want to put on it in terms of like number of homes or kind of building. Do they come to you with like, like a, a rough design of what like the layout they want it to be or where they want buildings to be and things like that. Or is that sort of informed before it gets to that point? Right. Uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. It's, it's interesting because there's no net as, as processed and as archaic as our end of the deal is with the municipality and getting it approved. It's very free form between us and the client. You know, the client may have an engineer in house that says that, that who takes a rough look and just says, okay, I think we can fit a hundred units and this is what it needs to roughly look like. And then we'll take that and run with it. Um, or sometimes the client, uh, barely knows how to read or so, you know, they, they just, <laughs> it, it, it ranges. It's like, you know, if they have the capital to put up, uh, for an apartment site, they ju- they're just looking for people to, to with the know how, and they're just trying to put together a team. So they just want apartments. Yeah, yeah I mean, it could or or a commercial building or or houses or or whatever, mm-hmm. and yeah. and so they'll you know it, it it ranges, and that's kind of part of the fun of it. You need to get used to the the client and how almost to interact with them because you don't mm-hmm. some some of them want you to hold their hand and and say okay, this is how we're doing this like just pipe up if you got a problem. And then some of them are a little bit more controlling and say, you know, this is what I want. You need to make this work and I don't care how you do it. Uh, you know, they, they run the gamut. Mm. Mm-hmm. So is it, is it more fun when you get to like have your druthers and just sort of like design whatever you think is best for the site or. Oh, absolutely. Is, yeah, yeah. Just go. Yeah. Just willy nilly. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it'd be fun. It'd be sort of like uh like sculpture. Like you've got this unformed bit of land and it's like, I need to make this into like, see, this is, this, this will not do. I must, there must be a building here. Yeah, exactly. No, that's, that's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, on the loosest end, they're generally just saying we want 200 units uh, and mm-hmm. then you can just kind of run with it. And that that's to me the most fun. Mm. Yeah. I was just wondering, um, it's always interesting to me with mechanical engineers, um, that oftentimes, or at least at some universities, they don't get a whole lot of hands-on, um, experience with machining. And then when they get that experience, maybe later on, I've had some friends who've gone through this, um, it changes the way they design things. I was wondering like how much experience coming into your field do you have with like grading machines and what they're capable of and like uh, general contractors and how they can shape the land and put in different systems and like what's the the depth of knowledge you have on like what's possible when you go into a project no uh, yeah certainly on the light end i mean vir- virtually none when i first came in and and unfortunately at least for me and the majority of people I know my age, we've learned by having to go out in the field and some contractor being like, why the hell did you think I could build this? And being, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And me being like, damn it. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's kind of, that's kind of the way it is. And, and, um, the, that's certainly the balance that gets struck between making something mathematically work and then being like, am I going to have to, you know, answer the call in six months when this goes under construction? Yeah. It, it's, Start to and I'd be lying if I said I was perfect about it. You know, I'm I'm out there a good bit, just saying I 
I didn't think that one through. <laughs> yeah, back, back to the drawing board on this one. It's yeah, funny. It's like yeah. the, the architects come with you and say, we want to do this. And you say, no, we can't do that. And then you go to the contractors and say, I want to do this. And they're like, no, I can't do that. Yeah, It's filtered all the way down. It flows downhill, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. It's, 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 all of that comes with experience. Though, as you, like, the more projects you get under your belt, the better idea you get to see. Like, oh, I've seen this kind of a situation before. I know what I can do here. Oh, exactly. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's civil engineering is so experience based. It's, um, it really is. It's one of those things that the more, you know, the more you realize you don't know kind of thing. And uh, (laughs) it's ever humbling. I'll say that. It's also interesting because I I often talk about how, um, with the work that, that I've done, it's interesting when you get to the point where you can see it all around you and you have this weird kind of insight into the hidden world that's, uh, in everyday devices. And it's the same sort of thing I feel like where, with the work that you do, you have this weird kind of insight behind the curtain of like the landscape around you into like what is underneath the ground and what's underneath the concrete. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And and for civil, it's I mean, it's everywhere. So, much, you know, the brain never shuts off. I'm just, you know, tweaking out, just looking at everything and <laughs> can't, can't shut it off. Walking down the street and seeing this like a beautiful mind thing. You like yeah, yeah, letters yeah. and numbers are popping up all I, over I, the yeah, streets. It's a yarn strung up between a storm sewer inlet and a telephone pole across the street. This guy needs to get out of this neighborhood. I feel like I wouldn't be able to function. I just walk outside and just stare at streets all day. <laughs> yeah, welcome to my life. <laughs> oh, all right. So um, I guess this is where we usually sort of look to the future. Is uh, Do you have any particular things that you're looking forward to doing? Like, are you're ha- It sounds like you're happy with land development. Is there a kind of project that you'd like to tackle or a direction you'd like to move with your career going forward? Um. You know, for now, land development's a, a lot of fun. I don't really see myself getting out of it, but it could kick me out of it for sure. I mean, like mm-hmm. I said, it's a hot, cold thing. Um, and Denver and Colorado specifically, it's a small enough market where it's not very insulated from ups and downs. So that's something that, you know, you, is always in the back of your mind. It's not, and I don't, moving is, is other than the fact that I would have to leave Colorado isn't a huge deal. Um, but I would like ideally to, remain in land development, remain in Colorado and, mm. um, and, and keep on chugging cause it's a lot of fun, but, uh, is you there know, a kind of a kind of project, like some particular kind of building or some kind of development that you would be particularly interested in being involved with? Mm-hmm. Like, is, is there kind of like a rock star kind of job, a job hosting? Yeah. A job hosting. You'd be like, Oh man, this is what I want. Right. Right. You know, that's a great question. I've thought about that a lot because I don't, so the traditional thinking and, um, like my folks will say this to me a lot of times, you know, you know, you should join a big company and then you can get on one of these multi-million dollar, you know, uh, projects. You can be designing skyscrapers or doing, you know, but yeah. I, I've heard from all, you know, and I have a couple of friends roughly my age that are at, uh, big companies and you start to lose a lot of creative control over that, that project. You, you start to, the project is just by the fact that it's so big, you mm-hmm. can, you can only do some small portion of it and the land development and specifically the type of land development that I do allows me, it, it's, the, it's the perfect size for me to have, you, you know, oversight over the whole thing. Mm, and to see things from sort of cradle to grave kind of exactly and and i get to have design input over everything which you know i don't have to tell you guys as engineers is is desirable you know yeah yeah um it's it's really it's like i i i wouldn't trade what i do in terms of just you know face value 
telling me I had to come in and do this versus designing some skyscraper in Dubai or, you know, whatever glamorous project. I, it's just, I, you lose so much. Um, Mm -hmm. now that being said, I've never done it. I've never, I've never gone and and worked on a glamorous project. Uh, (laughs) so I guess I can't say uh, definitively, but, um, having, having oversight over your entire project uh, is pretty, not, not just having oversight, but having oversight and having design input. Yeah. Somebody in those big projects, I'm sure they have oversight over the, the whole thing, but I can't imagine anybody, um, is, is having design input at that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you're, so that, you're dealing with a juggernaut. I, I, to, mm-hmm. to tell you the truth, I, I hadn't really thought about, um, what my, in, in terms of my relative field right now, what my dream project would be. But, um, I, I do like the smaller, small ish projects that you can still kind of wrap your entire mind around and have input on. Yeah, no, I, I yeah. get that. That's the, the, my current job I took primarily because I wanted to have that kind of thing, seeing a project from beginning to end and being able to shape it myself. So I can yeah. totally, yeah. I can totally connect. Yeah. It's nice having your uh, input actually be valued by people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and having, and, and having it fluctuate day to day and, and having, and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and bouncing your ideas off of other people and working with the other consultants and, and having, you know, working together to that end rather than feeling like you're just, punching your card and feeding a couple ideas to the, to the system kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And, and that's gotta be really cool to go to one of your developments. Once it's like all said and done and the buildings there and look at that and say, Hey, like it's, this is, this is this way because this is how I made it be this way. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and I'm just kind of getting to that point where, um, some of the things that I had really major design inputs on, um, are getting built. Be- nothing really got, when I, I worked in DC for two years, nothing really got built because it was in the recession. So we were just designing stuff and they weren't throwing the money out there yet until they got out of it a little bit, um, mm-hmm. to build. So now that I've been, I've been out here for, you know, three, four years and there, a lot of those projects that I was on early are now starting to fully get built and it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. That's, that was really cool. It um, was. So, uh, I guess we should, let's wrap up with, uh, with a fun fact. Yeah. You guys, yeah. You guys ready to get some knowledge? Yes. I was, uh, we were talking about civil engineering, so I was thinking about um, architecture, and uh, I came across an interesting fact. Did you know? So you know gargoyles, right? Mm-hmm. Like the things yeah. that you picture Scary. a gargoyle, like yeah. the TV show. Well, that was such a good TV show. <laughs> okay, but this is this is the this is the ironic thing is that the gargoyles in the TV show, like the kind of like winged beasts on top of the building, mm-hmm. yeah, not gargoyles. Gargoyles, in order for it to be a gargoyle, it has to have a water outlet in its mouth. A gargoyle huh. is only basically a downspout for a roof. If it's, like a, uh, does it have to be a nice, fancy-looking one, like yeah, sculpturally? It's, it's, it's okay. a carved, a carved stone outlet for water that's supposed to direct water away from the building. Yeah. So that is specifically what a gargoyle is. If it doesn't have water coming out of its mouth, it's just called a grotesque. Huh? Is that right? Yeah. Huh. So it, actually, like if you see on like old buildings, you'll see. But like what you would think of as like a gargoyle, like a kind of ugly looking monster or like sometimes they can be animals, they can be mm-hmm. people, it doesn't matter. But they stick out from the side of the building and then when it rains, water shoots out of their mouths. That's what, that is what is actually officially a gargoyle. But like a sculpture of a like monster on top of a building would just be a grotesque. It's a, just a piece of architectural sculpture. It's not actually a gargoyle. Wow. That's really cool. Ironically, the gargoyles in the TV show Gargoyles were just grotesques. They weren't actually gargoyles. <laughs> 
So yeah. there's your there's it your doesn't have fact. the same ring to it, but I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Disney's grotesques. Actually, it sounds more intense, but I I it wouldn't have the same pizzazz. You're right. No. Cool. All right. Yeah. So um, thanks so much, Andrew. For uh, yeah, this is awesome. First yeah, of all, really for an, for answering the call on the internet to uh, to talk to us, and if yeah. you uh, if you know any people, other engineers that want to uh, to follow in your footsteps, we'd be happy to talk to them. So spread the word. <laughs> hey, yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. It was a blast. And, uh, and, uh, like I said, keep up the good work on the podcast. I've been listening to the episodes and they're fantastic. So, uh, keep so it much. up and I'll spread the word. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And if, uh, yeah, so if you're listening and you want to get a hold of us and, uh, either tell us about something interesting or you want to get on the show, you can reach us, uh, on Twitter at, at how do you enge? Yeah. Um, or you can reach us on Facebook at facebook.com slash how do you enge? Or on our website at uh, howdoyou.engineer. Yep. Feedback at howdoyou.engineer. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. Andrew, is there anything you wanted to promote or give a shout out to? We got a podcast going up uh, pretty soon. It's called Good Night Soon. Me and a buddy, uh, just a little bit of sports, geography, and libertarian thought. So that's, oh, that's cool. about it. Cool. Cool. Check well, it once, once it goes up, uh, give us a, shoot us a link and we'll put it in yeah, one of absolutely. our show notes. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. All right. All right. All right. Talk to, talk to all y'all later. Yeah. All right, cool. Thanks all right, a lot. Bye. This was How Do You Engineer, brought to you by Cookies. <laughs>